everyone. Welcome to the Black Health Podcast. It's me, Paula, and I'm joined by the other co-founders of Black Health. You all can introduce yourselves. Hey, y'all. It's Khadija. Hey, it's Mercy. What's up, everyone? It's Matthew. All right, Deej, take us away with our icebreaker. Yeah, so (laughs) today's icebreaker is related to music. So I want to hear from y'all who your favorite artist is right now? Like, what type of what type of music you've been listening to? So I'll pass it to Matthew first. Yeah, I've been really um, one. I've been listening to Drake albums nonstop, uh, mm. but I don't want to talk about Drake. Uh, <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I think it's really great, but I'm gonna leave it there. Um, but I've been. Uh, I don't like it at all. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> okay, <Paula>. go ahead. <laughs> Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. I just have one question related to that. Okay. Well, to Paula, because wasn't this new album supposed to have some like South African like house music influence? It has a South yeah. African house music. Do you hear? Producer. Do you hear that? Do you think? Exactly. Do you hear the authenticity? Um, what What's your opinion? Okay, as? I'll be honest. <laughs> I listened to it once. but but no like matthew said um it's black coffee is like a co-producer on it so he's um really popular in south africa um yeah so i you know i guess it definitely has that influence in the sense that black coffee is is on it but um other than that no it's not like i'm not like hearing like i'm a piano necessarily um and it's just it's just boring. I'm sorry. It just was boring. And <laughs> I think yeah. it's hard to to gauge an album off of one listen, though. I think you should give it uh, another spin. I think for okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is house music, and I, and I also think your environment really dictates how you enjoy music yeah. and interpret mm-hmm. music. Mm. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that's all I'll say. And it is actually executive produced by Black Coffee, um, which is pretty dope. But yeah, that I think it, it took it took probably the third or fourth listen for me to actually get into it and to feel a vibe. Um, and, you know, since then, it's really just been all that I've been playing. It's like really good background music um, that I can it's work like, to. It's like club bathroom music when, when you're in a club <laughs> lounge. Exactly. I mean, I've, I've heard people call it Zara or Sephora music. Oh, yeah. H&M, H&M um, music. <laughs> for sure. That is not... But it's, Good. I mean, but that's, that's what, but that's what they play. I mean, they play house music in those stores. Um, but it's the same old, like, um, you know, bitter, bitter Drake, um, sad boy Drake. So, yeah, con- content wise, sometimes I can relate as a, as a sad boy sometimes. But that's not what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about Usher Raymond. Usher Raymond. The GOAT. Yes. Folks mm-hmm. have been saying online that. Chris Brown could stand up to him in a versus madness. No. Stupid. Like Usher's the blueprint, obviously. That sounds obviously. ridiculous. I I don't even have any words. <laughs> Breezy. Breezy. He's made the same album like twelve times. Terrible. Yeah. But yeah, I've been I've been rocking with Confessions. Mm. Went back to eighty seven oh one, which was actually the first CD I ever purchased myself. Oh. Um. Usher is probably the the best concert I've ever been to. Uh, Khadija and I saw him at a. It was, was it? Uh, Roots Picnic. Roots Picnic, Roots Picnic? Yeah. yeah, with some, with some friends. It was amazing, except for he ended with OMG. Oh yeah, OMG. Paula, you were there. Paula was there. Yeah, I like OMG. He did. He did do that. Oh, and it was oh, it was great oh, oh, up until oh, that point. Oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, it was, that was a real weird song to end on. Um, trying to get in his electronic bag. Um, Did you listen to his tiny desk? Of course. of course. I've watched it like three, four, four Same. times. Yeah, already. I like, I've watched it like yeah. three yeah. times. Yeah. It's it so wonderful. great. I think coming off of that um, shameful Omarion. Yeah. Uh, Mario Mario was great, but the Omarion versus it was like, I just want to hear somebody sing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was perfectly time for Usher to just remind the the R&B guys, mm-hmm. you know, who's really, who's really it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's great. At, and, you know, uh, Marcella was saying that you're going to go see him for his residency. You're thinking about it? Yes. I've decided that that's going to be my birthday present to myself. His residency in Vegas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That'll be nice. I swear mm-hmm. I thought he was already doing that. 
But you're saying it's just starting? Mm-hmm. He started again. Yeah. 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 Again. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, get into that. Get into that bag again. I would love for him to put out some more music. As long as it's not like that other stuff. Because, you know, for a while he was trying to make that young nigga music. And yeah. I was like, okay, yeah. Usher, like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. He do he do got a new song with City Girls, but it was cute. I thought it was a little bop. Yeah, his part. The City Girls are fun. <laughs> oh, for real? Yeah. I didn't yeah. need City Girls the part. Fun. I, don't the vid- think. I saw the video. Yeah, they said uh, Cascade. Cascade. Yeah, it'll it'll hit in a party oh. in a party for sure. Sorry. <laughs> Marcy tried to sorry y'all Mercy sabotage the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm so loud. excited about the city girls. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that's really where my vibe has been between Aubrey Graham and Usher Raymond, however y'all want to interpret that. Okay. Um, Interesting. Cool, cool. How about you, Paula? Land. What's the artist that you've been vibing with lately? Mm, I've been listening to a lot of. That rapper I like because she got locks and I like how she does her hair. Um, Callie. 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 Um, I, I pretty much copy lock. every hairstyle she does. <laughs> <laughs> her locks are beautiful. What'd you say, Marcy? I can't hear you. Her locks are beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're really nice. Um, funny story. <laughs> so, <laughs> I tried to go to a lock, an Instagram lotician that I found when I was in Atlanta last. And uh, it turned out it was actually her lotician. And I didn't know that actually when I had booked with the girl, I had just seen the girl's work on her page. And I was like, oh, this is really cute. Um, you know, I like the style she was doing. So I was like, let me book with her. And it was just a horrible experience. I actually didn't even end up getting my hair done by her because oh. she left the salon before I got there. What? But I was not late. What? <laughs> so okay. it was just like, why did you leave? And then, yeah, it was like a whole thing. So she just decided she was done. Yeah, she just decided she wasn't. She was done for the day. And hmm. so then I had to book with the loctician I normally go to in Atlanta, which fortunately I was able to get an appointment with her because she'd be super booked. So I just did not think I was going to be able to book with her at a late moment like that with late notice. But it worked out in the end. But I was like, dang, girl. Okay. These Instagram girls. Stylists, I was just about to say, these new, they're not real stylists. That's why they don't have no type of license. Exactly. Nothing doing. No. Care out they house. They be charging. Yo, I saw some shit on Instagram or Twitter. This one at home braider was charging for parts. Parts? <laughs> I saw that. I How saw do you that. charge an extra thirty dollars to part your hair? So How the fuck else are you gonna braid it if you can't? If you I don't, don't know. Part it? <laughs> An additional, really... an additional fee to do a step that's necessary in the braiding <laughs> process. Right. Yeah, these hoes is getting out of control. <laughs> like, I went to one girl's site and it was like, yeah, you want like butt length, medium knotless, that's going to be $550 and you need to come wash, blow dry it, and bring your hair. Girl, what? That's $500? And $500 you... for knotless braids? Yes. How, and lo- you're not how long doing does a nothing. knotless braid set take? Um, well, so the girl that I usually go to for like the length that I get, and I get mine really long, it usually takes about six hours and it's just like one girl. Okay. So about like $80 an hour, $100 an hour. But that, the girl I usually go to, her is only $275. Oh, okay. Reasonable. Right. Yeah. I feel like. But she was booked. So I was like, damn, let me try to find somebody else. But I was just like, I'm just going to have to wait. Because. Ain't no way. These bras have lost it. Hmm. Go, go, ahead, go ahead and fade it up. Go see Step the Barber. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably about to get locked. Ooh. Yes. Yeah, that would be join cute, Mercy. Team. Yeah. Dang. Join the squad. Well, I'm about to cut my hair, so I'm about to be off team locks. You about to cut I'm about to go to Step. <laughs> I'm going to be out here with like, looking like Matthew. <laughs> yeah, you could donate I am going to save him. <laughs> <laughs> put my locks in. <laughs> right. <laughs> that would be very strange. 
You just yeah. see see me out with your hair. No. <laughs> I was like, is that a wig? <laughs> uh, what about you, Khadija? What you been listening to? Yeah, so I've I've honestly for a minute been on like the the female rapper tip. Mm-hmm. I just feel like you know, there's so much so much variety on the women's side of things when it comes to rap. You could really get I know. whatever flavor you want. Mm-hmm. And 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 the girls be given, they be given looks, they be given performances, mm-hmm. music videos, all that. Dancing. Bars, summer anthems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They they do it more than the guys, unfortunately. But yeah, Way so it's <laughs> not unfortunate. <laughs> Um, but someone I've been really liking listening to recently is Glorilla. Big Glow. Big Glow. F and F. Big Glow just got a record deal. She did with Yo Gotti yep. and 500K. Shout out to oh. Memphis. Yeah. But she's real dope. And I think I really like like some of these Southern female rappers coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, like her, like Flo Millie. Mm, I love um, Flo Millie. Love them. Love Baby Tate. Baby Tate's from Atlanta, I think. She lives in Atlanta. I don't know where she's from, but oh, okay. um, yeah, um, she she's awesome and fun and real, real gritty. I like that. She got a deep voice. I, I, I like I like that. I like <laughs> yeah, deep voices. <laughs> um, but yeah, now she's dope. Yeah, I watched her. Um. The video that they put out about her getting signed mm-hmm. yesterday um and it really just brought me a lot of joy um to see her and all of her friends and i assume some family um you know get that get that back from yogati and just how excited they were together so mm-hmm. it was really cool to see some people were hating but mm-hmm. but yeah no she's she's dope and she um i know like she works with the Memphis producer, Hit Kid, and there's, like, a whole kind of crew of, like, Memphis rappers, and they, like, um, are on a bunch of songs together. So I hope, like, as Glorilla, like, rises, like, the other girls can kind of get their shine, too, because they're all really good. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ooh, that's cool. Make, like, a new, not a new Three Six Mafia, but, like, a similar. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be like fun. Three six, that should be fine. Girl, when they had the chat and um, God dang, Gangstable. Oh my God, <laughs> man, <laughs> great times. Yes, but how how about you, Mercy? Well, of course, it's been Queen Beyonce. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, but no, just. Like, outside of the general excitement of Beyonce finally releasing some new music, like, I just really like the song. Like, it just puts me in, like, a really great mood. It's happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I just feel like so much music lately has just been so fucking sad and, like, just toxic as fuck. And it's like, where is the fun party music? Like, so every morning I hit that bitch on repeat, like, five times (laughs) and I be dancing around my apartment. My neighbors probably hate me, but it's okay. (laughs) It's part of my morning routine at this point. It's it's a great song. The only thing I wish, I guess, two things. Two things. The first, thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think you know. I get like the people saying we outside, outside, outside. You know, we don't need to we be outside. outside. I'm inside. But, I don't know. I feel like Jay. So I saw Jay Z had writing credits on it, and I'm pretty sure he wrote that little <laughs> rap part. <laughs> it just doesn't sound like Jay Z bars, though. <laughs> you don't think so? No. What else? What, what other not, part of the not song? Not that what? part of that song. He might have written, written some additional verses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I just me, don't know. To me, Jay-Z. it just sounds. It sounds like a Cardi B intimate. Like oh, like she was imitating Cardi B with the way that she pronounced the words. Yeah. And so like that I will say, one, she is pretty playful when it comes to like her rap. Um. Like voices, mm-hmm. um, so it does sound she's sound like she's kind of playing around with that, but but she did say you know we outside, but wear your mask, wear your mask. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, the other thing was, I wish there was a music video, and I know I'm gonna wait out for the whole album. She made the whole, you know, okay. We know Ain't no telling what she's gonna do, right? Ain't no telling. But I just feel like a, a visual to that song would be sickening. It's probably she's yeah. definitely gonna give us one. 
I she's just probably going, we're going to wake up one morning and she's going to be like 3 a.m. and <laughs> she's going to have posted it on Instagram or something and then ruin our night of sleep once again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I like the song a lot. I hope that we get more dance music. Yeah. Um, and I hope that we're a bit also able to dance to it in public. Safely. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it seemed like it is going to be a dance album from something she said. I forgot mm-hmm. where she said it. Maybe it was like a, her Instagram caption or something like that. But she had it was something she typed that was about. And I like I want to give you something to dance to, yeah. and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So yeah, and in her like, Vogue okay. article, she was talking about how she was like really inspired by like the '90s mm-hmm. and stuff. So. I think it's definitely gonna be. I think, good, I think yeah. she's gonna give us a pop album, but then it says Act One, so I feel like she's yeah. gonna be on some oh, I Am Sasha Fierce type thing. So like, are we gonna get a pop exactly. album yes, and an R and B album? I think she's gonna give us an R and B album like Dangerously oh, in Love. She ain't yes. did a like a R and B album like right. straight R and B in a long time. You're so right. And I think it's gonna be more than two. I think it's gonna be like three acts. I wouldn't be surprised. If yeah, it was they three were saying either. usually with acts, you it's know. three. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, and you know, she ain't dropped music in a long time, and she's been walking around with that laptop she for said like two years. She's been quarantined and working. Listen, the hive know what that means when you see her walking around with that laptop, bro. There is music on there. Funny. It used to be a thing like with Jay Z, if he hadn't cut his hair, you knew that he was mm-hmm. working on music, but now his hair is just long, right? So you never know. Yeah, so you never know. Um, how would how would y'all feel if we got like Act Three was another the Carter's album? Disappointed. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I will say like re-listening to Everything Is Love, like it it's it a grows. Great album. It's a good it's, album. It's good. Yeah, it's good. I loved their joint album. I yeah. thought it was too. dope. Yeah, it took me a few listens. I liked it. Yeah, I, I think it's like unnecessary it. to have him on on Act Three because I feel like they kind of culminated that whole era. Of she had With her lemonade. He had four four those four. Were, those were but three still acts in them. Right. <laughs> oh my God! What if it's like a family album and With Blue Got Bars on there, and then the twins pop Ooh. out. Ooh, That'd be great. And so what, the, what the twins gonna do? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> they're old now. I mean, Blue Ivy was babbling on the song. <laughs> so <laughs> Blue Ivy been on track since she was a newborn. <laughs> the twins were like five now. Yeah, you know. Rem- they Remy might do some baby poetry, like her namesake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sir could, I don't know what Sir would do, but Sir might be like a little lyricist, like his yeah. daddy. Early bears. He can't be, can be a singer. Early bars. <laughs> he can be a singer. <laughs> he can't be on his uh six lakh. <laughs> Ayana says that it is six lakh because if he wanted his name to be pronounced black, he would have put a B there instead yeah. of a six. I never, I never said though. six lakh. I always That'd knew it was black. Literal. Now I was wondering, like, why is it six lakh? What is that? <laughs> And I was like, oh, he's from in my head. Six. I say six, like <laughs> he might as well just change it. You from zone six anyway, like whatever. Right. Hmm. Well, that was fun. Should we transition to some not so fun, but very important, <laughs> <laughs> important topics, current event, health topic? Yeah, do it. So I have seen this tweet. <laughs> just um, that was like. Uh, about this Beyonce song, Break My Soul. And it was like, Beyonce, girl, they might be breaking my soul. Oh. <laughs> I, like, I that mean, that's nah. so true. Like, <laughs> literally every like, day. This Roe v. Wade thing happened, and then Beyonce dropped this song. And I'm like, I don't know, girl. Like, <laughs> they might be winning. Uh, I'm breaking. But <laughs> yeah, so first thing we want to talk about is um, the overturning of Roe versus Wade and what that means for um, Black people. So just give some um, background or just like basics about like what this even means um, for Roe Roe versus Wade to be overturned. So in 1973, the Supreme Court had ruled um, in Roe versus Wade that pregnant women were entitled to an abortion during the first trimester or the first three months of pregnancy, uh, while it did allow for some legal restrictions and bans in the second and third trimesters. 
So now the Supreme Court has overturned that earlier ruling, um, effectively making it possible for states to ban abortions earlier than 12 weeks. So abortion will not automatically become illegal in the U.S., but individual states are now allowed to decide if and how to allow abortions. So more than 20 states have um, are making moves to like limit the access to abortion. And there are like 13 states that have what they call trigger laws. So these trigger laws were designed to go into effect basically as soon as Roe was overturned. So those states include Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, and Wyoming. Those are the 13 states with trigger laws. So some states uh, want to ban abortion from the moment of conception, while other states are introducing bans at six weeks or more. And most of them at this point have said that they will not prosecute women uh, or people who are trying to end their pregnancy, um, but they like the criminal penalties will be reserved for like abortion providers uh, and other people who try to help those people um, who are pregnant get abortions. That's what they say. Mm. I don't know I don't, if I believe don't that. Believe it. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not at all. But um yeah, so I just want to talk about some of the implications for um black people specifically, you know, as we know like with um maternal mortality rates in the black community, um this is quite a big deal for us. So, yeah, Black women are over three times more likely to die from a pregnancy-related complication than white women. Uh, Some places in the U.S., it's, like, even worse. So, like, for example, Black people accounted for 90% of pregnancy-related deaths in D.C. just by making up only half of all births in D.C., Um, Black women are also at higher risk for pregnancy complications and postpartum issues, such as preeclampsia. And then a 2021 study published in this journal called Demography predicted that a total abortion ban in the U.S. would lead to a 21% increase in the number of pregnancy-related deaths for all women and a 33% increase among Black women specifically. So Black people are looking at a 33% increase in pregnancy-related deaths with this abortion ban uh, going into effect. Yeah, so um, people who are denied abortions um, and then have to give birth um, are more likely to experience economic hardship and insecurity for years to come. And so with um, an abortion ban in place, many poor Black women will be forced to endure unwanted pregnancies, and that's going to keep them locked in cycles of systemic poverty. Uh, so, yeah, I wanted to open it up for you all, like, just to talk about, you know, and talk to our community and everything. Like, what are some of the other issues that we should be thinking about as Black people in the face of Roe versus Wade being overturned? Um, you know, one thing that I think, like, we kind of hinted at earlier is, like, this idea of, like, criminalization of um pregnant people who um, seek abortions or get abortions. Um, And I think like, you know, as we already know, just, it just seems like every, (laughs) the system is just so stacked against us. Like every, every opportunity there is to criminalize black folks, like our system is going to take it. And so this is just another avenue through which black people can be harassed, um, surveilled, um, and then, you know, uh, criminalized for, I mean, seeking health care in this case. Uh, so I think that Black people really need to be cautious now with this. Um, and mm-hmm. and if they're in any of these states, you know, like seeking 
an abortion. And I just, I just feel like the police are going to be like after, after us. And then other people, you know, in some of these states, I've, I've seen that like, they actually like allow for like other regular citizens to just like kind of investigate and report on people who are seeking abortions. Mm -hmm. So it's like, not only is it just like law enforcement who might be, you know, on the lookout for this, it could just be like anyone can kind of like report you and get you in trouble and I think prosecute you as well, like take Mm -hmm. you to court. And so it's like, I just think like, racial tensions with that are like, it's just going to, you know, inflame racial tensions as well amongst, um, you know, just everyday citizens. So I'll pause there. What else do you all like think about um, with this, with this decision? Well, the most important thing is they're only stopping access to safe abortion because Mm. when it was banned before women just had back alley abortions. So if women need an abortion, they're going to find a way to do it. So that then becomes another health issue because how many women are going to have complications from these unsafe procedures, right? Like we already saw what happened with the girls with BBLs. Like, so we talking <laughs> about abortions, Yeah, <laughs> like that's just going to cause another healthcare problem for an already crumbling healthcare system. Like my OBGYN was telling me right now that like hospitals are probably like the most unsafe place you can be right now because they're understaffed. They don't have resources. Mm. They're burnt out. Like that's sad. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you're y'all are just only making a bad problem worse. And exactly. we know white people are always going to be able to have access to abortions. They're wealthy, are always going to have access. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and Black people are, like, the most likely um, group, like, racial group to seek abortions. So just what you're saying, Mercy, like, now that um, abortion is banned or heavily restricted, in a lot of states where a lot of Black people live, you know, we will be the ones seeking out these other avenues to have an abortion, you know, unsafe, potentially illegal abortions. And so, yeah, it's just going to be another um, another health crisis in its own way mm-hmm. that, that impacts Black people. And then in Georgia, half over half of the counties in Georgia don't even have an OBGYN. So it's like yeah. now you don't even have OBGYN care <laughs> for women. And like, and this like a cluster, like there's like one cluster of counties like kind of near the coast where it's like 12 counties clustered together and there's no OBGYN in any of those oh counties. Wow. So it's like, it's literally a desert. Like they're going to have to drive hours yeah. for OBGYN services. But you want to force people to go to term with the pregnancy. Yeah. And, like, you you bring up a great point, Mercy, in terms of, like, a desert. Because the desert is even beyond kind of the local county level. It's, like, there's a whole desert in the South now. <laughs> like, literally, if you, um, you know need an abortion um, and you live in a southern state, it's not even that you have to drive to another county. It's you literally have to drive, like you said, like hundreds of miles to completely to another region. region of the United States <laughs> to get access. Um, and like we had talked about our last episode, even in the places where um, the states where abortion is still legalized, um, it's going to just create a huge bottleneck. Like it's going to hurt access for like everyone. But yeah, for um, for folks in the South and the Midwest, um, it's just like devastating in terms of access. Yeah. And I've already been seeing like stories of like women who had like ectopic pregnancies mm-hmm. and like they needed to have an abortion, but the doctors are having to like hold off for hours on the procedure because they got to go through lawyers to like figure out what they can do because they can't legally do the abortion procedure that they would do for that. So like women are literally like bleeding out, Mm. about Mm -hmm. to die Mm -hmm. because of things that have already started taking place. 
And it's just like, how does a gun have more rights than an actual human person? Exactly. It's depressing. And yeah, like like you're saying, it it expands the implications of this expand beyond just a person seeking an abortion. It's like or like because they don't want to have the baby. It's like, it's now reaching into like medical emergencies and mm-hmm. um, a person's life being at risk. And also I've been seeing stories like on Twitter, like apparently like one of the, <clears throat> like um, the drugs that the abortion pill mm-hmm. medication, mm-hmm. like the chemicals or whatever in that drug are also in other drugs or it's like the same drug or something like that, but mm-hmm. that treat other like uh diseases mm-hmm. um and so people who have like a chronic illness who use this medication for nothing for something you know totally unrelated to um having a, a an abortion but they're using it for like their um their disease like they now can't get access to um to that medication because it can also induce an abortion and there's just like all this like really ridiculous like fallout that's going beyond even like the really fucked up horrible intended right like purpose of this and so it's just having like so many like cross cutting effects and mm-hmm. it just it just it's like it's so stupid it's just showing like okay and the US has like the worst healthcare system Literally. out of like what they considered like developed nations or whatever and we're just making it worse. Mm-hmm. Like this is, and someone yeah. mentioned a good point too about how we're probably going to see an increase in like domestic violence. Mm-hmm. So, because I mean, yeah, like we always like you know a lot of pregnant women are already killed by their partners. Yeah, that's you're literally most susceptible to domestic violence when you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. So I was like, dang, I yep. hadn't even thought about. Damn, that. that reminds me of the P-Valley episode. Are y'all watching P-Valley right now? I've never seen I don't P-Valley. have stars. Yeah, I don't either, but I've been wanting to get into it. It looks good. Yeah. Sorry, that was a side tangent, but y'all should, <laughs> y'all should really get into P-Valley. It's good. Someone give me their stars back <laughs> Yeah. I, I think we'll into your account. <laughs> I think what's been bothering me about the discourse I've seen online about abortion access um, has been sort of this really like violent trope about like people should be able to get abortions once they're raped or, Mm. you know, once something terrible has happened to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that being like the only justification for, for an abortion. Mm -hmm. Um, And largely it's, you know, I see this from uh, white liberal women um, who are, you know, trying to one, like raise awareness about an issue. But I, I think, we can't limit abortion access to these like, and and rape happens, um, you know, issues with pregnancies happen as well. But I think the access issue is really, you know, anybody who decides that they Mm -hmm. don't want to have a child. Right. um, Should be able to make that decision. Should be able to make that decision. And so it's just been, it just reminds me, um, One, just how like violent this country is, is that the only justification people can see for giving someone choice and free reign over their body is once an act of violence has been brought upon Mm -hmm. them, um, which is just really scary. Yeah. Right. Um, And so, you know, what I've been really like thinking about um, is how how violent our country is. And like control is is definitely a part of this, and mm-hmm. how like violent our country has is, and you know continues to be, and like has only really escalated, mm-hmm. um, and how this is just a part of that violent ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and continues to perpetrate harm on you know again on you know as Paula said in the introduction on on black women, black bodies, um, you know black people who <clears throat> who would you know, who can get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's really disheartening and it's been, it's been actually really sad over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, on top of all of the, 
you know, attacks on black people with gun violence. You know, you mentioned guns, mercy. I think it's just been, it's been a lot. Um, yeah. It's been a lot in this, in this country. It's very ghetto. Can we go back to Costa Rica? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like two, like go, two go ahead, older go. black women. I know like black women who at this point in their lives are not going to have another baby. Like, text me talking about just like how devastated they were by this decision and we're it's like stepping back in time and just like all those kind of sentiments and things like that and it just made it broke my heart to like see like our elders like mm-hmm. upset like that and like I said like these are people who like for them personally this abortion ban you know doesn't affect their life in that way but just like just like all the fighting and the progress that black people mm-hmm. and, and and black women have done. And then for this to just kind of be like, you know, yeah, for this decision and just how it just like really emotionally impacted them. I was just like, damn, like this ain't right. Like mm-hmm. I felt like upset more, even for like more for them in a way, like all the work that I know these women put in for me, you know, and like just, and for this country and just mm-hmm. like, what it's giving back to them is like bullshit. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it really goes all back to that election that everybody said didn't matter. They were picking the lesser of two evils. Like, this y'all fault. I hope y'all know that. <laughs> Even yeah. before that, you know, when the Republican Party blocked Barack Obama from nominating yeah. the yes. Justice. Yeah. Um, I would say even before that, because listen, I, I am. I am so disgruntled <laughs> with the Democratic Party. And I was thinking more about uh, Joe Biden today and how we can, a lot of this is his fault for multiple reasons. Joe Biden, the entire time he was in Senate, was anti abortion and trying to get rid of Roe v. Wade the entire time, decades. Really? Yes. He like very, and you know, he's like Catholic, so it's like mm-hmm. kind of religious mm-hmm. rationale. But up until like you know, kind of coming into the Obama presidency, he was voc- like vocally trying to get rid of Roe v. Wade. A, B, we know his role in um, getting Clarence, Clarence Thomas um, on the Supreme Court, and we know Clarence Thomas is the most right wing, extreme, radical, awful. And we know Biden had a direct role in that and a direct Mm -hmm. role in disparaging uh, Anita Hill and, you know, Mm -hmm. black women, you know, tried to warn us about Thomas. Man, I literally saw something that Rosa Parks was warning folks about. Yeah, I saw that too. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wrote a whole letter. Yeah. But anyway, like, I really don't want us to be like, oh, it's just like these right wing um courts right wing supreme court um because mm-hmm. the establishment democrats have had a huge role obama had the opportunity to codify this multiple times like this is and he flat out said this is not a priority for him mm-hmm. they like we and i get you know the um senate right now is like 50-50 and we got mansion and cinema and like there is hard sure it's hard for them to pass stuff but you know, this is the type of stuff in terms of the rolling back of civil rights that I feel like we were dreading under the Trump administration. And just thinking about how, like, Democrats are in complete power right now and all this all this stuff is happening. Like, I just, you know, I I, I got some critiques of <laughs> the Democratic Party as well. Yeah, not for real. Because they, you're right. It's, this has been happening really since it started, like, since the guy passed 50 years ago, they've been trying to figure out how to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then something else um, that you brought up earlier, Paula, in terms of um, the criminalization piece, that, and I know we started to touch on that a little bit last week, but that's really been making me think about just the criminalization of you know, black women, queer folks, children, families, like across like the reproductive um, kind of life cycle and how it's super cyclical. 
Um, and so I, I haven't read it yet. I need to buy it. Um, but there's this new book by Dorothy Roberts, who's um, a lawyer and she does um, a lot of work around reproductive justice and it's called um, Torn Apart. And it's related to the criminalization of Black women and families through the child welfare system. I mean, she has another book called Killing the Black Body, which is about um, you know, black women and attacks against us, um, um, just reproductive justice attacks throughout time. But it kind of reminds me of how like we're like black, you know, birthing people are gonna be criminalized like just across like from, you know, um mm-hmm. conception down to when we're forced to have these kids and then you know, we're more likely to have our kids taken to, from um, through child welfare because, um, you know, a big root of that is like poverty and, you know, big cause of like neglect is poverty. But it's just it's like a cycle. It's across kind of the reproductive cycle. Um, and we're just like criminalized like at every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been saying like, all these like people who are like, you know, um, anti-abortion and they're like, don't abort, give your baby up for adoption. Uh, and I'm just like, isn't that there is so already sick. like so many kids up for adoption? Right. They get put into the system. And someone made a good point about the system too. They were like, don't y'all think it's weird that like they will take people out out of their families and put them with other families just to give that family money and resources to raise a child? Like, why not Instead just of give it resources to, to the actual yes. parents? <laughs> like, because it's a business. They're selling children. They are. Like, Because, like, them no. foster care, I have never heard anything positive about foster care. No. Like, exactly. ever, never. It's traumatizing for all parties involved. And, yeah, exactly, Marcy. Like, you know, I think this is a country that, you know, takes away our rights to have abortions, but also does not give us the material resources to raise families. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you have a child that might get shot in school. Exactly. America. Right. Gotta love it. (laughs) And there's stuff around like, like data, and oh yeah, from the, the stuff apps. you Google and period tracking apps and all of that that um like mm-hmm. personal data potentially being able to be used against someone who um may have sought an abortion, like that is so scary and dystopic mm-hmm. and like black mirror. Right. Like right. <sighs> I don't know. And they said like they might even be tracking people across state lines. Mm-hmm. So even if you are a person who has enough resources to go to another region <laughs> to right. get an abortion, if they're like using your data to track you and you go back to your home state, like you could be in trouble or mm-hmm. it's just like. Yeah. And then like even I think the like if you go to like the follow up or like whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think what a lot of people don't didn't realize is that Roe v. Wade didn't just protect our right to abortions, but to like privacy. Mm-hmm. Like that was a huge mm-hmm. component and kind of those subsequent um, Supreme Court rulings were related to privacy. Mm-hmm. And so like this is not just, yeah, it's a huge attack on just our, our health privacy in general. So what do you all think people can do to fight back against this? Yeah, so I would say one thing is that there are a plethora, a whole ecosystem of reproductive justice organizations predominantly led by Black women and queer folks and, you know, women of color that have been engaged in reproductive justice organizing and access for decades. And so um, 
I would say, you know, engage with those organizations and we can include some of those in our show notes, um, donate to them, like really look to them as the, the leaders, because this is a space that they've been warning us about for years, but they all also been preparing for years. So, um, mm-hmm. I would definitely, you know, um, lean on them for that, um, you know, expertise and resources and information. And donate. Yeah. I didn't already say that. Yeah. Donate, <laughs> donate, to donate to them. <laughs> the people who have been doing this work already. Um, I think also like speaking up and just kind of working to normalize um, abortion access and like your own support, your community support for abortion is important. Like, I think that there are probably a lot of people who are kind of just quiet about it. They don't want to ruffle feathers. Um, but I think those who are against uh, this, like the the ban on abortion, should definitely be speaking up um, and then using their voice as well um, in the political system. So um, looking at those uh, political candidates who are su- in support of the access and the right to abortion, getting out, voting for them, supporting them, being vocal about that as well. Um, Also, I think we just kind of need to start like, I mean, continue, I guess, preparing, you know, like for all, like there's the fallout of this. So there's some preventative methods that I think need to be more well-known and and increase access to those. So things like long-term contraception, just stocking up on pregnancy tests, um, and then abortion pills as well apparently are still available even to those people who are in states um, where abortion is illegal. There's... um, this organization called Aid Access, uh, and it's a international telemedicine abortion provider. So they do online consultations and they write prescriptions for abortion pills, um, which can then be mailed to you. Um, and they have said that they will continue mailing p- pills to women in all U.S. states, um, including those that banned uh, the procedure. So whereas U.S. uh, telehealth providers um, are not able to prescribe and send abortion pills to people in states that have outlawed um, abortion, this um, international organization can. And um, there may be other organizations like this one. So I'll do some research, put that in the show show notes as well. Um, Yeah, so just trying to get access to those materials. And you might have to, if you're in a state that has banned abortion, you will want to be careful about, you know, your identity being tied to you ordering any of these abortion pills. So that's something to consider. Maybe use a VPN, use a fake email address, and then delete the email account after you receive it, you know, things like that. Um, there are tips and tricks online. That's something else I can post too. Cause I, I saw like an article about, um, just different ways to protect your, your like, uh, email and cell phone data around like this abortion ban. Um, so those are some things to consider, like protecting your data, your identity when you're accessing these services. But, um, it's not like, I mean, all hope isn't lost. There are still some things that can be done. And so we need to really like um, strengthen our, uh, our connections to these, these other um, ways to, to safely um, have an abortion. Yeah, those are all really good, Paula. I think, um, you know, what I've been thinking about just myself personally is like how I can be a resource um, and help those folks in my community who may be, you know, seeking abortion. Um, and I think, you know, those ideas that you have are, are really great. Um, in addition, I think, <clears throat> you know, there are, we've seen, you know, these companies being willing to fund people uh, to go, you know, take a flight, get a hotel across state lines to get an abortion. But we know, you know, Black folks aren't often those people who work for those companies or those jobs. Um, and so, you know, I've been thinking about how, 
you know, possibly we as an organization or um, a network of organizations can be a, um, a fund or a resource that folks can use. Um, and so, you know, those of us who have capital, who have means, I think, um, really find some way to make yourself known um, as a resource for those for those folks who may not be able to to have the means to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Get ready for the revolution, y'all. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's gonna be televised too. Mm-hmm. What channel? Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our next our next icebreaker should be who are y'all saving in the race for Ooh. Ooh. Uh, uh, how about who we not saving I you gotta who are you leaving for last <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's, that's a long list that's a long <laughs> list <laughs> the other list might be shorter <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all want to tell the people about monkeypox and what the fuck is going on with it? <laughs> yeah, maybe we can, like, Matthew, if you wanted to talk about um, some of just, like, the general information <laughs> about it that you know. And I can kind of talk about the, you know, response and how we've, uh, specifically in the U.S., have been doing, which, spoiler alert, not great. Um, Yeah, so monkeypox um, is a disease caused by the monkeypox virus. Um, It is of the same family as smallpox. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're not familiar with smallpox, it produces a rash on the body, but in addition, um, may have, you know, like a fever component or a headache, you know, muscle pain, but smallpox was actually very deadly. Um, monkeypox is not as not deadly, um, and there are treatments for it. Um, but it's it, so it's notably milder uh, than smallpox is. Um, and so, you know, I think the most important thing is to realize that you know, ninety nine percent of the people who get monkeypox will survive. Um, I know that there's been a bit of sensationalism in the media, um, which our media tends to do around monkeypox. Um, but it is important that we realize that this is spreading um, within our country now. Um, and I think we will continue to see, um, similar to COVID, similar to you know monkeypox, um, diseases continue to spread because we just live in a bit more of a connected world. Um, and here in the United States, our public health infrastructure is shit. So... <laughs> um, but some systems are symptoms, excuse me, to look out for, you know, regarding monkeypox. You know, again, you'll have that rash that will look like pimples or blisters. Um, it could be on your face, on your, inside your mouth or other parts of the body. Um, and usually, you know, that appears first and then you have additional symptoms, which are really just reflective of your body responding to the virus. Uh, so you have a fever, you have a headache, um, you know, possibly chills and, exha- and exhaustion. Um, similar things that you may get when you have the flu, um, but that that rash is really indicative of monkeypox. Um, and so, you know, people usually recover um, in two to four weeks. Um, and I think, um, you know, there is actually a, a vaccine out there as well mm-hmm. um, for monkeypox um, if you're so inclined uh, to get vaccinated. Yeah. Um, and I think you made a good point about how um, it's, you know, it's treatable. It's not, um, it's rarely deadly, but um, I, I do think it's interesting. We see this with a lot of, um, you know, infectious diseases um, that, you know, it kind of becomes an issue when it hits a white country um, because mm-hmm. yeah, monkeypox is not not new. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, just the U.S. public health response to monkey he- monkey monkeypox <laughs> 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 so far. Um, and you know, you would think after after decades. <laughs> After decades of 
you know, working in public health responses around HIV, some of the lessons we learned there, you would think, you know, years at this point of us working on COVID. Still, currently. Still. Currently. <laughs> Actively. Right. <laughs> you know, we, 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 you know, you would just think, you know, we got an, a, a new infectious disease. Well, it's not new, like I said, but, um, you know, in the U.S., a new infectious disease on the block, you think we would, we would know how to respond to it. You think we would have learned. They still ain't invested more money in public health, so. Well, yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, the answer is no, we have not learned. We've learned nothing. Um, And so there's honestly like a laundry list of ways that the U.S. is already very early on fumbling the bag on this monkeypox outbreak. Um, I think like one of the ways is just uh, in terms of data collection on case counts, on knowing, you know, where and how much this is spreading across the country in terms of surveillance. And, you know, I think we're all, um, you know, as public health professionals, kind of a bit of data nerds a little bit, but we know how important data and collecting and surveilling, you know, case counts is in terms of controlling the spread of an infectious disease. And um, we, uh, the country's already been doing a really poor job in terms of really getting an accurate um, understanding of how much um, it is spreading across the country. Um, I think in terms of kind of related, but contact tracing, pretty mm-hmm. non-existent. And a big part of that is, you know, I think Mercy said just, we don't care about public health, you know, financing. These local public health departments are squeezed out of every single resource they have. And not severely understaffed. Yeah, understaffed. Um, and so, you know, contact tracing is something that's really important when it comes to infectious disease control. But we really haven't seen that with monkeypox. Um, a, a huge thing that I think we've seen or maybe not seen is the health communications piece. Um, You know, we're all in public health, but honestly, I have not, I'm not hearing that much about monkeypox. And like, we literally had to go on the CDC website, (laughs) frankly, to like look up this information about, you know, the signs and symptoms and treatment. Like we're just not, the health communications is awful. We're just not, not hearing anything. They tired, Khadija. They tired. They're tired. <laughs> They're tired. They, like, they don't have nobody at work no more. Everybody's quitting. I did. I heard that at like some uh, pride events mm-hmm. that they were having outreach about monkeypox just because it seems like uh, it's spreading a bit faster in um, in gay communities, and so. Not to say only gay people get it. And so they're trying to be, I've just seen some conversation around like they're trying to delicately weigh like Mm -hmm. targeting gay folks for outreach just because they seem to be at a higher risk, but not making it seem like it's a gay disease, like, um, you know, which was a failure early on in the um, HIV AIDS epidemic. Um, But I did see kind of like some positive feedback about the outreach that was going on at, at pride events um, and being careful about like, you know, stigma, stigmatization, um, but then getting people access to that vaccine. Um, it's the smallpox vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. I also just wanted to add that monkeypox is not really caused by monkeys. Um, <laughs> it's more so spread from like rodents and like mm-hmm. other like small critters. Um but yeah, I think it's called monkeypox because it was like first discovered in monkeys. Yeah, I know they're trying to change mm. or thinking of changing the name. Okay, I was about to say, is it racist? Because I also heard that it was like at first, y'all remember when it first came out, the only pictures you saw was yeah, black yeah, that was hands. racist. <laughs> and I was like, we never see black people with any type of anything ever. And now y'all got this thing called monkeypox, and all of a sudden, everybody who has it is black. Yeah, the pictures for sure. Yeah, and yeah, I did see a lot of. Newsrooms getting called out for that. For, Sounds yeah. suspicious. Yeah. 
Yeah, they were mm-hmm. all pictures from the continent. Mm-hmm. They were just using mm-hmm. those photos. Yeah, even though, yeah, like this new outbreak spreads happening in like the mm-hmm. UK. US. Yeah, that's why I was like, what <laughs> right. the hell is going on here? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Paula, related to what you said in terms of health communications and, you know, homophobia, queerphobia, stigma. Um, and I know like, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of lessons learned from HIV um, epidemic that we, you know, could carry on um, to monkeypox. But um, I know that's definitely been kind of a critique of the monkeypox communication so far is that you know, even though there has been a concentration of cases in this current outbreak among um, men who identify as gay, bisexual, um, or men who have sex with other men, um, you know, it's it's kind of that balance. Like you said, it's like, you know, it's good to do targeted health communications to a group that may be most affected, you know, presently with a particular um, you know, infectious disease, but what that can lead to is that for, you know, messaging, if messaging is kind of non-existent for the rest of the general public, right. then the general public may think that, like you said, like this is a disease that only affects, you know, men who have sex with men and this is not going to affect them. And this is just, you know, a gay disease, which is not true at all. And then that can lead to kind of stigma and, um, you know, biological determinism I don't want to define that right now but (laughs) you know just stigma around you know certain groups because of their biology or their behaviors are more prone to something instead of looking at kind of broader social and structural factors so um you know I think there's yeah it's a balance it's good to do targeted health comms um for a group most affected by something but if you're not also doing health comms for the rest of the public you know it could lead to stigma and uh just greater disease spread um so yeah health comms sucks um childless testing and vaccine rollout also awful (laughs) um (laughs) i've just been seeing stories particularly in new york city um where they kind of are doing like targeted testing and vaccinations with men who have sex with men, but um, just like their like rollout and accessibility of that is really awful. Or they'll like, I read something that like, um, you know, they had a small quantity of vaccines available and like right before some huge pride event, in New York city, they opened up like a clinic to do vaccinations and there were like lines like down the street. Um, cause they told people like right before, um, and it's just, <laughs> it's just really bad. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, you know, I'm thinking just early on in the COVID pandemic, how bad, yeah, we fumbled the testing bag up real bad at the beginning. And then <laughs> just vaccines and testing along the way has been, you know, just inaccessible. And so even like Matthew saying, like one of the things, you know, you can do, like there is a vaccine out there, but it's it's not going to be accessible to yeah. the general mm-hmm. public. Mm-hmm. Um, and just that rollout is going to be you know, hopefully they're buying more supply. They're making more supply, buying more supply. But yeah, states are starting to buy more. Yeah. Um, but right now it's pretty, pretty, um, pretty small supply and pretty, um, pretty slim chances of getting vaccinated. But yeah, I I just think in general, um, you know, they're we're knee deep in a current pandemic now. And I just feel like there's so many things. It just seems like we haven't learned. And part of it is like, it's, we're not learning. I feel like the country right now is very um, in denial of uh, just (laughs) COVID infectious diseases, like just not, you know, wanting people to just get back to normal and, you know, pretend that, um, you know, COVID isn't existing. I think with monkeypox, that's just like an added layer that, you know, the country in response is kind of trying to pretend it's not happening either. Um, And yeah, I know, I think the other pieces, even if you're not in denial, even if you're, let's say, a local public health um, 
I don't know, <laughs> work at a local public health department and want to do something about it. Um, like your resources are just so strained that it's it would be really difficult to um, for state and local health departments to do um, you know all the things they would want to or usually do um, for monkeypox. But yes, any any other thoughts about monkeypox? <laughs> Hopefully, we'll learn more about it. Um, and we can, um, yeah, just provide more information about it in later shows as we, as we, um, as we ourselves kind of get more information about it. Yeah, well, I think that wraps up our episode for today. Um, I don't know, Marcella, if you want to close us out. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, thank y'all for listening, tuning in with us. As always, we appreciate y'all. Make sure you leave us feedback. We want to hear from you guys. Like, comment, share, all that great stuff. We are Black Health, B-L-K-H-L-T-H, on all social media platforms. TikTok coming soon. Um, And yeah, tap in with us. We'll be back next month with more Black Health news. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, y'all. Bye, everybody. Thank you.